This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League football is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we're previewing week six of the NFL Slate 2020. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, I just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about our other show currently on the Ronnie Duncan Studios Network, the greatest movie of all time podcast. We just released our episode on The Bridge on the River Kwai from 1957. And the next two weeks, we will be with the sci-fi horror classic Alien from 1979. With that being said, our co-host from that podcast, as well as a league member, Dana Duncan, is joining us for the podcast today. Say hi, Dad. Hello. How are you? I think I'm really great, but let's kind of start off with the fact that this is rivalry week for the league. Uh, Just to take you through some of the matchups, you two are playing. You two have been longtime rivals. Danny and Derek are playing best friends. The Eichstead brothers are playing each other. And then Ed is playing Ben, also really good friends. Did you plan this? Could you, like, do the schedule? I literally did nothing with the schedule. Oh my it god, is this is all, cool. All completely <laughs> random. I didn't even realize that. Well, I have no rivalry with Ethan. Why I have did, well, championships? <laughs> oh, and it begins. And it begins. Oh, it, 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 it does. <laughs> so, a couple of days ago when we had the episode, first topic up, Le'Veon Bell. The biggest story of the NFL during the midweek this week is him going to Kansas City. Probably going to be the second running back. He won't be able to get into the facility due to COVID restrictions till next Wednesday. But I guess the big consideration is how productive do you think he's going to be? What is fantasy value, I guess, moving forward with Kansas City? Uh, For me, I feel like he's going to be decently productive. I don't think you're ever going to get Pittsburgh Steeler Le'Veon Bell ever again. Um, But you're for sure going to get... low end I would say maybe running back one at the very best to like a mid-tier running back two um at the worst because uh Andy Reid loves to throw to those running backs and obviously Clyde Edwards Hilaire hasn't lived up to expectations so far so I think Le'Veon's got a pretty decent track to having a pretty um good rest of the year I I would agree I think he's going to be an RB1 possibly RB2 what I think though is is not just Le'Veon Bell but the ramifications for the rest of the Chiefs' offense. I think the big loser is uh, Sammy Watkins and possibly Hardeman because um, I think I think they're going to see a lot less touches. Well, first off, Sammy Watkins is out possibly for the next couple of weeks, uh, and Miko Hardman has not had a lot of targets overall. So you're either talking as far as target share and volume that you're likely that the dip is going to come from either Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. I would say Hill is more likely because Kelsey is the possession guy in that offense. But I think I know a lot of people have said that uh, they expect two thirds of the carries still to go to CEH 
and maybe about a third of them to go to Le'Veon Bell. I think it's more likely if they, by the time we get to about week nine, week 10, that they're splitting even where they're going to have both of these guys in a different situation. The one difference being, I think Le'Veon Bell becomes the goal line back for this offense. I think he's just a little bit better in those short yardage areas. And CEH has had some issues as far as that goes. One one comment is, is just remember, college ball, you play, what, 12 games? And you're playing 16 games in the NFL? There's a good chance that Hilaire um, kind of hits a wall somewhere about uh, December. And you might see Bell really start picking up carries towards the end of the year and in the playoffs. Well, right now... CEH has gotten over 20 carries or touches or whatever per game so far. And so, and that's with the Chiefs offense, other than the one game against Baltimore, really kind of floundering, not being like at their peak. So at a certain point, you wonder how much that is um, going to be distributed. And I would tend to agree, but the what we saw last year before either of these guys was on the team, when they signed LaShawn McCoy, they really wanted to even out the carries, kind of get both guys involved and see what they could do. Now that they have both Bell and CEH, I do think that there is a possibility that they really split the two as far as carries with the one exception being that goal line. And so I think you could possibly, if the Chiefs offense starts taking off or you know they, you get full effort Kansas City, that uh, both of these guys are in RB2 territory. Maybe that's me being a overly positive uh, Le'Veon Bell owner, but that's kind of what I thought might happen. I think, too, what's going to help his uh, floor is I really do think he's going to get a lot of the goal line work as well because CEH has been terrible uh, so far in the goal line. So I think you're pretty correct in thinking that he's going to get most of the work down inside uh, the 10. And I think both of them are uh, pass value heavy. Like, as much as we're down on Le'Veon Bell being productive and he's not had a great run, part of that is, I guess, fitting that he had 1,100 total yards last year from scrimmage and his usage rate was still somewhat high. So if he does get a large workload like he did at some point, if one or let's say Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets hurt, I think it is possible that in an Andy Reid offense, He's an RB1 all of a sudden. So maybe that's too much for, and that's obviously not the situation we're in now, but you like him a lot better than you did uh, about a week ago. So let's jump into our week uh, six preview. Um, So just briefly, bye weeks this week are the Raiders, Saints, Chargers, and Seahawks. But uh, the first game that we have up on the schedule is a certainly juicy one. Uh, given the win streak for the Browns and the undefeated Steelers. My question in this game, we'll start with you, Ethan. Uh, higher scorer this week, Kareem Hunt or James Conner? Um, this one took actually a lot of research for me to come to a conclusion, and I don't even feel great about where I came to. Um, Pittsburgh, they give up the fourth fewest points to uh, running backs right now, and Cleveland is right there. They give up the ninth fewest for me, I guess it comes down to who I think is going to win the game because I think they're going to control the game script a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to go James Conner just because I would. Uh, I feel like the uh, Steelers are going to win this game. Uh, so that's the reason I'm going James Conner. But it's a really, really good question. Dad, would you agree? 
Uh, I would. And uh, this, the Browns are the Browns. And the Browns are who the Browns are until they prove otherwise. And so I just can't imagine the Browns, no matter how well they're playing, actually winning this game. And until they can show they can win a game like this, I'm going to go with the uh, the Steelers and I'm going to go with James Conner. I just have a feeling Conner is going to potentially have a huge day where there's going to be at least one play where Connor busts it for a 30-yard touchdown, which will be big scoring. I think that Cleveland has been better uh, after week one. If you were to take that out, their fantasy point give up would be much less. The fact that we had, I think, four different running back touchdowns in week one is kind of skewing the numbers a little bit when they played Baltimore. The other factors to keep in mind, Kareem Hunt is nursing both a Uh, thigh and groin injury, and James Conner has been unusually healthy so far this year. So part of the question and why I think I phrased it the way I did is is that you would expect it to be the other way around as far as injury history. But the other part of this that I think is an interesting part of the question, Kareem Hunt is by far the best passing back that uh, Cleveland has. And if they get down, I think it's very possible that he ends up picking up his PPR level targets. So I think this is a very even question. I think it could go either way. I would be tempted to say Connor, but for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Hunt just because Cleveland's you are putting more on their backs. And I think there is a lot of passing game usage if they're down. Uh, Bengals at Colts. The question I have, does either team get to 20 points this week? And that's total scored, not fantasy points or anything else. Dad, what do you think? I'm going to say no. Um, I have very little faith in uh, Philip Rivers at this point in time. Other than, I mean, I, I think they would have been better off signing Alex Smith. In fact, I think they would have been better off signing about anybody because uh, I don't think Philip Rivers has anything left in the tank. As far as the Bengals goes, Burroughs is a, is a talent, and it's going to take some time for him to piece it together. But I have very little faith that either of these teams are going to put any offense on the field that's going to be of any significance. It, if, if one of them does score 20 points, it'll be like 21, like a, a last-minute dirt touchdown, you know, the garbage touchdown, and that's going to be it. It's going to be almost a game that's unwatchable. Ethan, uh, you and I have talked at length about the Colts in uh, both their defense and in Phillip Rivers, but part of the intrigue of this question is you're both a Joe Burrow owner as well as an Indianapolis defense owner. Who do you think wins out, and does either team get to 20 points? Uh, For me, I feel like if a team does get to 20, it will be the Colts. But I feel the same way about Phillip Rivers that uh, Dana does. But I do think that Jonathan Taylor has a bigger day. He he has to show it against a average Bengals defense. And for me, Joe Burrow, he is a terrible offensive line. We already talked about it last week, how he leads the league in pressures. And I think the Colts might take his head off. <laughs> so for me, if there's a team that does score 20, it'll be the Colts. But I don't feel great about it. I wouldn't put any money on them scoring 20. I think... It- We've discussed it before because I made this question uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of got embarrassed when I said it about the Tampa Bay Chargers game because both offenses were a little bit sputtering coming into that game. But I think one of the teams will get 20 points because that's just a really low score. I'm just 
I, I pose the question partially because you do have to think about it a little bit. And if one of them gets 20 points, it's probably going to be because uh, Rodrigo Blankenship kicked seven field goals. Like, that's the level we're talking about. The Colts' offense is badly inept with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. And I thought it was such a mistake because they had – and I thought they were a really good, talented, deep team that you just need a guy who can maybe get the ball down the field. The fact that they let Cam Newton go to New England or – go uh or Andy Dalton go to the Cowboys seems unforgivable at this point Jameis Winston would have been a 10 times better choice yeah and he's he might take over for Drew Brees yet at some point all right let's move to Texans at Titans um the Titans coming off of their huge Tuesday night win over the Bills the higher scorer in this one I guess the question I'll pose Deshaun Watson or Ryan Tannehill? Let's start with you, E. Maybe a little biased because I'm a Ryan Tannehill owner. Um, but Houston, they give up the 10th fewest um, points to quarterbacks right now. And they've played some pretty good ones. They played Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. They played Big Ben as well. Tennessee gives up the 15th fewest. And the best quarterback they played was Josh Allen, who's playing at an MVP type of level right now. But for me, I still think that the Titans are just a better team. And they're not asking Ryan Tannehill to do a lot, just to manage the game and throw a couple of touchdowns. But really, it's to handle the snap, turn around and give the ball to Derrick Henry. So for me, I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill because I still think he'll throw a couple of touchdowns. But I don't think he's going to turn the ball over because what they're asking him to do is not anything crazy. And I think Houston comes down off of that high of having their uh, coach fired. So I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill. This is a very difficult game for me because the way I thought about it, Bill O'Brien and any coach that ends up becoming bigger than the organization um, is like spray foam that fills up all the gaps in your foundation. And that was what Bill O'Brien was, is he became such that the players were in the room and then Bill O'Brien like launched himself and filled the rest of the room. So the minute you fire him, there's huge gaps and people can start moving around, and you have no idea of what's going to happen once you get this room that you can actually move and breathe. I'm waiting for the Texans to all of a sudden start putting some numbers together, because that would be just like the Texans, more or less, to end up having a run and just making the playoffs, and then everybody going, well, maybe you should hire Romeo Cornell to be the off or the head coach. And then everything to fall apart next year. And coming off the Titans victory that they put up, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to put give this to Deshaun Watson. I, I just have this feeling that uh, a, a former uh, quarterback out of Kentucky may have a really big game uh, playing for the Texans this week. Ah, okay. I, I was trying to figure out who you were mentioning there. And Okay, so Randall Cobb. All right. For me, this is a game script game. Tannehill has been extremely uh, impressive. He had a really good week uh, against the Bills the other night, but he was playing on a lot of short fields. Uh, again, I think the Titans are a run-first football team, and given that they were kind of resting Derrick Henry last game, uh, I do expect them to still give him a few more carries to ramp him up as we get further on in the season. So I think they're going to be up early, and so Deshaun Watson's going to have to throw more. 
I think it's just more of a matter that uh, the Titans may be ahead, and so Ryan Tannehill is going to end up hitting the ball off more than having to throw, and thus you might get some more garbage time points. I'm going to give a slight edge to Deshaun because of the game script. All right, Falcons at Vikings. This is a... I, this isn't exactly a fantasy question I have for this particular game, given that we're pretty sure of the fantasy assets we have in this game. Matt Ryan has been really terrible as a quarterback. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in like eight straight quarters or some astronomical number. Maybe it's like 10 straight at this point. The Vikings players, you pretty much know Delvin Cook's going to be out for this game. So Madison's going to step in and he played well on Sunday night. Thielen and Jefferson, you pretty much know what you're going to get. Ridley, maybe Julio. It sounds like Julio is going to play because uh, he was not on the injury report. So this is not exactly a fantasy question because I think you know exactly what you're getting out of all of your players for this particular game. But it's more of a question of where these teams are at. So do you think the Falcons look competitive versus a desperate Vikings team? Um, This was a really tough question because um, Houston last week, they looked super competitive with their new coach. But I think Houston is in a different situation than Atlanta is. I feel like for Houston, they know that they're a pretty good football team and they expect better from it. But with Atlanta, I just feel like, especially ever since that Super Bowl, they're kind of just blah. And they don't really have the fire or anything when you see them, even when they were at the beginning of the year, they just look different than they have in years past. So I would give the edge to the desperate Vikings football team because they're another team that knows that they're better than how they've been playing right now. And for the Falcons, I feel like they just think their season's already over. There's already been talk that people are going to be traded. So, yeah, I'm, I would go. I don't think they look all that competitive. I think they look disengaged, and I think this one might turn into a blowout. I'm completely on board with that. I really don't have much to add. I already said last week that um, I thought they were kind of giving up on the season and giving up on their coach. I don't think anything that's happened in the last week is going to change that. Dad, what do you think? I think just the opposite. I think that the Falcons are going to come forward and win this game, and they're going to win it handily. I think a lot of the players who were leaders before felt beat down for whatever reason. And uh, with the change in coaching, I think they're going to play a lot better because they're trying to establish that they don't need to be broken up. They need to be tweaked. That, you know, there's a huge psychological factor. Blowing that Super Bowl in the manner they did destroyed that team mentally. And I think the Falcons are going to come through. In fact, I had contemplated just on a happenstance of starting Matt Ryan just because I had a feeling he might go off for like 500 yards passing against a a very porous Vikings secondary. One comment I will make is is that I think the Vikings defense turning a bit of a corner. I, I take the other impression of that because I think Mike Zimmer is an extremely good defensive coach, and they were really holding Russell Wilson in check and probably should have won that game on Sunday night. Now, part of that was game control and uh, running the football a lot more to keep your defense off the field, but I didn't think until that final drive where just kind of like knew Russell Wilson was going to go down the field and score, and even then they had to convert a long fourth and tenth uh, uh, situation in their own territory to go on that final drive. I really didn't think the Vikings defense has been that bad the last couple of weeks, and I think they're getting better. 
So given that the Falcons have such injuries uh, almost everywhere, although they've gotten a little healthier on offense, I just, I, I really don't see it. All right, let's move to Broncos at Patriots. The, oh, was it week five? Nope, it's week six Broncos at Patriots game. Cam has been out, but is currently projected to start. He started practice on Thursday, uh, coming back from his COVID uh, situation. So the question I have, Dad, bounce back game for Cam over under one and a half touchdowns. Over. Because even though, I mean, there's a reason Tom Brady fled the Patriots. (laughs) They don't have any weapons. There's nothing on their offense that's any that's that good. When you're when one of your key contributors is Rex Burkhead, you know, I mean, at what point in time? If they didn't have Cam making plays, that offense would be pedestrian to say the least. And so I think that's what they're going to rely on uh, in a, a large portion of the game. Is Cam is going to ha- has had a couple of weeks off to get stronger. Um, he didn't even have symptoms from what I'm reading, and I think he's going to. Uh, potentially uh, carry the ball, and there's going to be a lot of uh, goal line touches for Cam. I, I say above two. Uh, I would tend to agree. I think it's going to be the Super Cam show. Ethan, what do you think? Uh, a million percent. Yeah, I read the same thing. He really didn't have too many symptoms, so obviously he didn't lose weight or anything like that. If anything, he just got rest. Denver gives up the six most points to quarterbacks. They gave up 29 points to Sam Darnold. I would probably even take that at two and a half because Dana's exactly right. You know, Cam is the Patriots offense. However he goes, that's how that team is going to go. Um, so with his ability, with his legs, and even still having as good of an arm as he does, um, yeah, I, I would be I would be okay with taking that at two and a half for sure. Let's move to Washington at the Giants. These uh, are two underperforming offenses. Until last week, the Giants had only scored three total touchdowns for the season. These also have two of the, because of their uh, lack of production on offense and their front sevens, uh, two of the highest projections on defense for week six. So the higher scorer for you, Ethan, Washington's defense or New York's? I am going to go with Washington. This is such a weird question, too. I never thought I'd be asking or answering a defense versus defense, but that's exactly what this is. Um, I'm going to go Washington just because I think they can get to the quarterback a little bit better. Uh, Chase Young is extremely, extremely talented. I'm going to go with Washington. I think I will agree, but barely. Again, I think this is going to be a barely watchable game, but you try coming up with a better question for Washington (laughs) at the Giants. Dan, what is the better uh, looking helmet? I mean, they're both <laughs> more likely to draft a quarterback. Yeah, no kidding. Like, there's not too much you could have came up with here. The team most likely to disappoint its fans more. <laughs> oh, boy. I, yeah. Going back to the original question, and I Thank apologize you. for this, but is Josh Allen playing? Uh, to For the Bills? Or excuse me, not Josh Allen. Uh, Kyle Allen? Yeah, Kyle Allen. I have no idea. See, that's going to be the difference. If Allen plays, it's going to be um, the Redskins' defense. If he doesn't play, it's the Giants' defense. Because I think people will be tuning in if uh, if Alex Smith is playing to see how long it takes before he breaks. Okay, first off, 
There were eight sacks in that game, three of Kyle Allen and five of Alex Smith. I really don't think it was that much of a difference or a drop-off between the two. So I understand, but I will say just a tad, and that's the difference. So I, I'm going like to go with the Redskins. It's like from one bad Bears quarterback to another bad Bears quarterback, which is redundant. Well, yeah, because, I mean, as I point out to a – person we mutually know when you're when your greatest quarterback in recent history is Sid Luckman and he retired in 1956 you've got problems that's not recent it's not even the Super Bowl era no the fact that your best quarterback is Jay Cutler (laughs) yeah he holds most of the franchise records okay anyway let's move on to Ravens and Eagles this is a difficult one. The Ravens have been under or underwhelming, but have won a lot of games. They're still Baltimore. Uh, the Eagles have been drastically underperforming uh, in the NFC least. So my question here, we'll let you answer it first, Dad, but I'm really interested in E's uh, answer to this one. Zach Ertz or the Baltimore defense? Higher scorer this week. Uh, Baltimore defense. The Eagles have already peaked when they won the Super Bowl. And I and I still, going back, can't figure out how they did it because I don't think much of their team. I think they've been, you know, it was a situation where everybody just played the ultimately best they could because the, the sum of the parts don't match. You've got a couple of playmakers here and there. I just don't. I think Baltimore runs away with this and embarrasses the Eagles. All and right. I mean, like, like it doesn't take much for Eagles fans to boo, but my guess is they start booing by the end of the first quarter. I don't even know if they're allowing fans into the game yet. Well, let's That's- just assume that it's players' wives and families. <laughs> Yeah, for me, this is a tough one. You know, everyone knows I got Zach Ertz on my squad. Um, Coming into the season, I thought I had a pretty decent tight end squad. Um, That's why I felt like I could trade away Noah Fant. And uh, Evan Ingram and Zach Ertz have not lived up to expectations. Um, Over the last three games, though, um, since Dallas Goddard has been hurt, Zach Ertz has been up there with targets. He had 10, 5, and 6. But for two of those games, he was under 10 yards. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, So even having Zach Ertz on my team, I'm going to go to the Baltimore defense. And the reason why is they're the second highest point they're scoring uh, defense right now in fantasy. They give up the 11th fewest to quarterbacks. And um, as bad as every as bad as Carson Wentz has been playing, because even I'll admit he's been playing awful this year. Um, they've been super injury prone on offense, as Dana has said. Um, they haven't probably had the same line for more than two games. So I think Zach, or, or not Zach Ertz, I think Carson Wentz throws a couple of interceptions like he does every single game. And I think the Baltimore defense, uh, they'll score more than Zach Ertz. I think this is a matter of whether Carson Wentz throws more completed passes to Zach Ertz than the Baltimore defense. And I think that's a (laughs) the fact that we're even at that point right now is pretty sad. Uh, It's 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 crazy to me, like watching uh, Carson Wentz's last game. He looks better. 
Um, but he started off his first drive throwing an interception. And we can't like just ignore the fact that how good Carson Wentz was a couple years ago. He was at an MVP level before he got hurt. Um, but the injuries have really taken a toll, I think, on his development and then just on the success of the team as a whole as well. To say Carson Wentz looks better now is like saying that the Monty Python troop looks better in their dresses as the seasons progress. No matter what you say, it's just not right. It's not right. No, absolutely. It's not right. I agree. All right. Uh, Bears at Panthers. How much revenge does Mike Davis get on the team that cut him last year? And more catches, Allen Robinson or Robbie Anderson? E, let's start with you. I saw a stat that said Mike Davis is getting 60% of his touches off of uh, passes. I don't think that changes, especially with Carolina. We know what that offense is um, that didn't change between him and Christian McCaffrey. Um, So he's going to get his, and I think he's going to have a pretty decent day against Chicago. Then who has more catches between Allen Robinson and Robbie Anderson? Um, They both have double-digit targets in every single game except for two. You could tell that they're just trying to force-feed the ball to Allen Robinson. He had 16 targets last game. Um, But Chicago, they gave up the second-fewest points to wide receivers. In Carolina, they gave up the fourth-fewest points. So really this comes down to me is who's on my team. So I'm going to go with Allen Robinson because he's on my team and because I need him to have a good week so I can send Dana back to his little hole where he came from. Oh, boy. Dad, I I won't even take that. You just go ahead. It's not smack unless you can back it up. So I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to state the obvious, which is that, yeah, they're throwing the ball to Allen Robinson because, really, I don't think the Bears' offense is that good. I have Robbie Anderson going in my office league. I think Robbie Anderson's going to outperform Allen Robinson because I have a feeling the Patriots are going to take Allen Robinson completely out of this game, and they're going to try and make the other Bear players perform and they're just not going to. So I have a feeling uh, Nick Foles is going to spend a lot of the game looking up at the sky from his backside. I, I really think that part of this game, and that's why I asked these two questions, is both of these secondaries are actually pretty good. And Chicago, for all of its faults, did give up 100 yards on the ground last week against Tampa. Carolina, the way to beat them has been on the ground far this season. So I think this is more of a ground and pound game for both teams. But I think both of them end up having down games by comparison to what they, well, I guess below their season average, but could have decent games. If you're looking for somebody, it's going to be dump off passes to the halfback or slot receiver type situations, not guys on the outside this week. And they might try and force feed this one. This also goes in the barely watchable category for tomorrow for me. Uh, Lions and Jaguars. Uh, I think DJ Chark might be out of this game. So this question is relevant. But higher scorer, DJ Chark or Kenny Galladay? Dad, you're a Kenny Galladay starter this week. What yeah, do you think his prospects are? To me. <laughs> I'm not mentioning who, but, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it isn't a rivalry or anything, right? Yeah, Galladay, uh, without doubt, because Chark is out. 
Um, I happened to be listening <laughs> oh. to uh, Sirius XM's fantasy channel, and they had the injury report, and they talked that Chark is going to be held out. He's um, not moving well enough to play, and they want him healthier during or down the stretch, so they're going to hold him out of this game. So I, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, it unfortunately is a product of the fact that I did these questions a few days ago. So I don't know. Is there another way to talk about Lions at Jaguars at this point in the season? Beto or more points, Matt Stafford or Gardner Minshew? I mean, that doesn't even really feel like a great question. Well, they're both cats. You can see, you know, which is stronger, a lion or a jaguar? Well, that, first off, I don't... As, about as relevant. The lion is clearly stronger. The jaguar is sleeker and faster and can climb up in trees. Well, and that's true because Matt Patricia does not seem sleeker or faster. Ethan, do you really have anything to say on this game? Uh, for me, even before we knew that DJ was going to be out, I was going to go Kenny Galladay. And honestly, it's because he is the target in Detroit. Uh, he's been back for two games. He's got two touchdowns. Um, and he looks really, 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 really good. Um, probably because somebody saw that talent years ago, picked him up, used him, traded him for Julio Jones, won himself a championship in 2018. Very important really wielded results and knocked somebody off their high horse. So for me, I'm going to go Galladay because I really appreciate what he did for me because um, he's a big part. We sent him a ring that year. We sent him a ring. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Kenny Galladay. So if I called up Kenny Galladay, you think he got that that ring, that, that um, Justin's type ring? <laughs> um, it didn't. I haven't gotten return mail, so it, it had to have gone someplace. Ah, uh, well, that ring had about as much value as the one in the shower drain. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, one thing I'll say about this is the Jaguars do give up a ton of yardage. Mixon had a huge game two weeks ago, and the question is is whether Adrian Peterson is potentially capable of going this week. I think uh, I saw him mysteriously pop up on the injury report. I think this has the chance to be a unusually, this is just a uh, off-the-cuff, long-shot call of the week, but I think this might be DeAndre Swift's coming out party game. I have nothing to back that up. I have no stats. It's just an inkling or an intuition I have. I just, that's maybe where I'm at. Okay. Uh, Jets at Dolphins, another shitty game. God, do we get any relief this week? Uh, higher scorer this week, Preston Williams or Jamison Crowder? Probably Crowder because they basically don't have anybody else. I mean, there's nothing that the Jets have except Crowder. So when you're gonna, when you're, you know, 80% of the offense, you're gonna get 80% of the chances, and so that would be my guess. Um, I mean, the Dolphins at least have more weapons. And can spread it around more. Uh, I will say that they doubled George Kittle last week for San Francisco and pretty much shut out most of the 49er office or offense except for in garbage time. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Preston Williams, actually. But, uh, E, what do you think? Let's not I'm spend at, too much time on this. No, I mean, and I won't. As uh, Dana took the words out of my mouth. I'm going to go with Jamison Crowder for the exact same reasons he's going Jamison Crowder. He is the offense at this point in time. 
Packers and Buccaneers, probably the premier game of the week and uh, is, in fact, my game of the week. Higher scorer this week because it's the biggest matchup, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Ethan, what do you think? I think we're going to go with Aaron Rodgers here and the reason, and we've talked about it before. Um, When Tom Brady plays halfway decent defenses, and I'm not saying the Packers' defense has been great because they've been pretty disappointing thus far this year. Um, But in bigger games against better teams, Tom Brady doesn't do as well at this point in his career. Um, So I'm going Aaron Rodgers for that reason. It was an interesting uh, piece that I read, um, and I thought it was out of uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They did an evaluation of Tom Brady over the last couple of years. And whenever you throw a wrinkle into a defense that Tom Brady is not expecting – um, his uh, quarterback rating like plummets. He, he's gotten to the point in his career where so much of what he does is by just muscle memory that when you have to do something, you know, you throw a wrinkle at him, he's just not able to handle it. I just have this feeling that the Packers have something kind of planned for him coming out of the bye week that's going to throw him into convulsions and he's going to be so out of his game by the time it's done that uh, people are going to start questioning whether Tom Brady's lost it. Well, I think we've been questioning for at least a good five years, whether Tom Brady's lost. And then he seems to come out of where and win another Super Bowl. But I don't think at this point in his career, we've talked about it a lot this season already. And I will say it again. Tom Brady is not elevating the level of the players around him. He's just not capable of that. And while he may have been a very good pocket passer who could avoid a few steps in the rush here or there, he's a sitting sitting duck behind that offensive line. Now, the offensive line has been fairly good for him a couple of times, but we saw against New Orleans and against Chicago when that D or that offensive line kind of collapses on him or you get any bit of pass rush on him, he can't move around and he has to throw the ball away. He's ineffective. He's not athletic. He's not capable of avoiding the rush. So he's a sitting duck. And I think with the Packers having their bye week last week, getting healthier, getting back Kenny Clark, potentially having both of the Smith brothers capable of teeing off second, third and long situations against Tom Brady, even with the Buccaneers being healthier, I just think Tom Brady is going to be pressured too much to be incredibly effective in this game. I'm not saying that it won't potentially be close because I think the Buccaneers defense is a little bit underrated and the Packers might have some struggles on that end of the ball. But uh, I think a lot of people are predicting that this is going to be a game in the 30s that is just going to be back and forth up and down the field. And I'm not sure I feel that way. So the other question I had was, these are two of the guys with at least um, multiple double-digit touchdown seasons in the last three to five years on their resume. Who has more touchdowns in this game, Devontae Adams or Mike Evans? Even though I have Mike Evans, I think it's going to be Devontae because I think the Packers are going to win this game and it's going to be somewhat sound. I think you're going to find out. I my guess is is and, and I've been pretty good about this all season and you can attest to this. I've been able to find where there or suggest the wrinkles that the Packers seem to impose each week. I just have this feeling that either Zadarius Smith or uh, Rashawn uh, Gary are going to line up as the uh, on the on the defensive line, um, not standing up but with the foot hand on the ground. Uh, and trying to run havoc by 
powering up the middle because Tom Brady, for whatever reason, when you get pressure up the middle, he doesn't do well. He does not have the mobility to move around in the pocket, and you basically put him into a position of uncomfortability. So I don't think he's going to have the time to go downfield to throw to Michael uh, Evans. Well, it's um, not a matter of going downfield because the depth target for Mike Evans is significantly reduced this season because Tom Brady just cannot throw it down the field. It's more I, or less, are they going to be in positions to throw him the ball in the red zone? I, I just don't think so. I don't think he's, I don't, I don't expect the Buccaneers to score more than 17 points in this game. That's bold. Ethan, are you on the same wavelength? For me, I'm on the same wavelength for who I think is going to score more. I think Devontae is going to have multiple touchdowns. I think he has two. One, he's going to be coming back. You know, this week he's coming back. Um, Aaron Rodgers likes to feed him the ball, um, and he probably feels like he's got to make up for lost stats and all the other stuff. As much as they say they don't care about it, they care about it. There's money. In, there's money involved in it. You got to hit your marks to get your incentives. But also. Mike Evans and what you said as well, we talked about it earlier um, in earlier podcasts. I think Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay hurt Mike Evans when Chris Godwin is healthy because Mike Evans is more of your deep threat, spread the field type of a wide receiver. Tom Brady doesn't have the ability to do that um, nearly as much as he used to back in the day. So now you have Chris Godwin coming back this week who's going to be more in the slot, going to work the middle of the field and underneath routes a little bit more. And I think that's going to take away from Mike Evans, even in the red zone. Um, so I'm going to go with Devante Adams. I think he has multiple touchdowns this week. Also bold. Uh, let's move to the Sunday night game. Rams at 49ers, which takes a little bit of a uh, um, shade off of after the 49ers got crushed last weekend. But uh, I guess, Ethan, do you expect a clear running back to emerge for the Rams backfield that we've so often discussed. Yeah. Everyone knows how I feel about Cam Akers. Everyone knows that I thought he was going to take over this backfield by now. Um, I think he gets more work this week, but I don't think we see somebody emerge from this backfield all year long. And I honestly, I think these last couple days were where I was really starting to feel like, holy shit. Like I was pretty wrong about this whole thing. Um, Daryl Henderson has had a pretty decent year. Um, even Malcolm Brown has been serviceable. So I couldn't tell you who's going to lead the game and carries this for this one. I really don't. Uh, but I do think Cam Akers gets more work um, now with his second week coming back from injury. And I would uh, reflect that in the comments uh, after the game by Sean McVay uh, that clearly he felt that Cam Akers needed more work in the, uh, this week. So. But, Dad, can Jimmy G play better than he did last week where he had three different interceptions in the first half? He was just coming back from the injury. I, <laughs> I mean, how much how much does Garoppolo um, actually play better? He's been, you know, uh, solid at times, but he's never going to be a great quarterback. I think he will. I think he'll play better against the Rams. It's a divisional opponent. He's had more time and longer since his recovery from injury. So, yes. 
I think teams always play better in division games and are a little bit tougher because these teams know each other. So I do expect the 49ers to be much tougher in this game than they were. And the Rams have only won uh, all four of their games against NFC East opponents. So maybe they finally get a test and we see what their true medal is worth this week. Uh, Let's move to the two Monday night games. We'll take the first one. Chiefs at Bills. Uh, higher potential scorer at quarterback. Both of these guys are top five so far this year, but do you expect more points from Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, Dad? It's difficult for me to say that. Um, uh, say this. I think they're both going to score a ton of points. I'm going to have to give it to Mahomes simply because his ability to run is more. He, Josh Allen runs the ball well, but I think Mahomes is better at it. So I'm going to give a slight edge, but I have a feeling this is going to be a shootout. I don't see either team running the ball much other than to uh, just hold the defenses uh, honest. I think it's going to be up and down the field, and the defenses are going to be an afterthought. I would tend to agree. Uh, I think that you're going to get possibly the scary Chiefs, because not only is this a big game against a top team in the conference, but the Chiefs are coming off of their first loss. Uh, you possibly could have woken them up to what's uh, possible if they don't bring their A game. So let's move to a different part of the field. Uh, these are also, I guess, converging narratives for the season so far. Stephon Diggs has been a top five wide receiver, been one of the highest targeted guys. Tyreek Hill was drafted as a top five wide receiver. Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs has a bigger week. You know, saying the names and thinking about it, you wouldn't think that these two wide receivers are as close as they are, but they're only separated by four points in fantasy. Buffalo, they give up the second fewest points to wide receivers. Um, Kansas City, they give up the seventh fewest. For me, it comes down to Sammy Watkins now being out and Le'Veon Bell obviously not playing. So I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill because I think he just gets a little bit more work. I agree with Dana that this is going to be a super high-scoring game. This one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of points scored. It's going to be very fast-paced. So I think that helps out Tyreek a little bit more. Um, So I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. He's going to score more than Stefan Diggs. I think both of the Monday night games are possibly huge shootout games. So let's move to the second one on the list. Cardinals at Cowboys. Uh, Ethan, how do you think Andy Dalton fares in his first start with Dallas? I feel like you'd want to face an easier opponent. Um, Arizona, they gave up the 12th fewest points to quarterbacks. But at the same time, Andy Dalton, they've, he's been there. He's got a lot of targets to, or a lot of weapons to work with on the outside, more so than I feel like he's ever had at his best years in Cincinnati. C.D. Lamb, uh, we were talking about it before the show. You could argue that he should have been the number one player taken in rookie drafts over all of the running backs. He's having an amazing year. You still got Amari Cooper. You still got Michael Gallup. So I think Andy Dalton, I think he does. I think he has an above average game. I think he'll be able to feed the people on the outside where they're still fantasy relevant. So I'd have no fear starting the Amari Coopers, the CD lambs of the world with Andy Dalton being there at quarterback. Honestly, uh, given the stats on James Bradbury from the New York giants and how much he's held, uh, significant wide receivers down this this season so far. I'm not really worried about Amari Cooper after his kind of underwhelming performance last week. I'm more or less worried if Andy Dalton gets um, snapped in half because of how bad the Dallas offensive line is, which we've talked about already. But I guess this is the bigger point to this one. I, I think we know that the Cowboys are likely to score 
and they still have a good enough offense with uh, a better than average quarterback uh, back there, a guy who has some experience. Uh, the bigger question is, is how many points do the Cardinals put against, I guess, what could be arguably the worst defense in the league in Dallas? What do you think, Dad? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Andy Dalton fares when he actually has a guy who can coach um, quarterbacks and an offense. I'm not real great keen on Mike McCarthy's offensive scheme necessarily, but he was a, a solid coach. Well, and if he continues this stretch, I think he's an extremely reliable starter. Uh, I would put him squarely in the, the upper end of the running back two territory right now just because we have so many other really great running backs, um, Kamara, Alvin, or uh, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, um, Kareem Hunt, Chris Carson, and, you know, Dalvin Cook. You start to add some of those guys up, and, and they've been producing, but he's producing at running back one level. So I think this is more to come, and he may be a fantasy steal for this year out of uh, any of your redrafts. Uh, let's move to the 49ers at Rams. Or, excuse me, the Rams visiting the 40... I can't even remember who was at home during this game. But anyway, the 49ers end up winning the game 24-16. to The big stories of the this particular game, um, the 49ers end up throwing a lot during this particular game, um, particularly with Raheem Mostert going out yet again. Uh, and they're pretty much down to one back. So the question is, are they going to continue to throw this much uh, like they did in this particular game? My guess is, to some extent, yes. Um, I think they're going to have to because, again, their options at running back are limited. I think they're still going to set uh, use the run to set up the pass, but it's not going to be uh, as run-heavy as they have been before just because they just don't have the guys. Tevin Coleman's not coming back right away. Mostert's going to be out at least a few weeks with a high ankle sprain, and you're not sure of what the status of Jeff Wilson Jr. is right now, so they're really hurting for uh, healthy backs. And so in order to keep Jarek McKinnon uh, upright, I don't know if they're going to be running him nearly as much as they would uh, Mostert or some or maybe a Tevin Coleman. So it's likely to me that they are going to be um, passing more uh, as a result of just the healthy bodies they have out there. Uh, the other one is um, Darrell Henderson Jr. ends up getting, uh, I think, eight carries in this game, but it was eight of the nine carries for running backs out of the Rams' backfield. Did, did I guess the question I would have at this point is, has he won the job? I don't know if anybody's going to win the job in that situation. I think that uh, Kyle Shane or the 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 whole. Kyle Shanahan type offense again that they're running. I think that goes back to the old uh, Broncos, which is you're going to go with the hot hand, and I don't think they're going to have any running back that's going to be the dominant one. I think it's going to shift every week. What I will say for this backfield is is that's not a lot of carries in the running game in a what was a run heavy offense to this point. I think game script took them out of things. I really don't know what things are going to be because um, the Rams, Sean McVay said that they were going to give more carries to Cam Akers and then all of a sudden they don't give him any. It's really confusing what they're trying to do. Let's move to the Monday night games to try and finish this up. Uh, Chiefs 26, Bills 17 in a kind of drizzly game. 
The Chiefs end up running more than they ever have under Andy Reid. Um, is this a new wrinkle for the Chiefs, running the football? I I, I think it's just a, a circumstances dictated it. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that route. I think Andy Reid just loves to see the ball fly. I still think that they're going to throw the ball because I think you're not not going to do that with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, one of the few things that I um, took out of this game was is they had um, or they changed out running backs at the goal line. So with Le'Veon Bell coming in, I would expect that to end up continuing to be the case where he becomes the goal line back, as we mentioned in the preview episode a few days back. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was clearly effective in this game in between the 20s, and I would expect him to continue to get a certain level of volume. It just may be that you have two productive running backs out of uh, Kansas City moving forward that uh, get touches. Uh, The other particularly big question, given that he's now had consecutively, I wouldn't say bad games necessarily, but they certainly weren't what we saw in the first few weeks. Which is the real Josh Allen? I I still think it's the guy that from the early part of the year. I think he's just hit a bad or rough spot. I think he'll snap out of it. I mean, they have played two good teams, but like the Titans gave up uh, 36 points to the Texans this weekend, and the Chiefs just got off uh, giving up 40 to the Raiders. It's not like it's been terrible matchups. I just... I wonder how effective because they weren't able to really throw the football. They weren't able to establish the run in this game, uh, how much uh, he's going to have in, in other games. Uh, I know that they're going to have an, at least one more game against the Jets, but they have a couple of games against New England, which um, never plays well for them. Bill Belichick always draws something up, and they still have to play the Dolphins yet again, where I think the Dolphins are getting better and stronger uh, as the year has progressed. So, I, I do worry a little bit that maybe he's somewhere in between as opposed to being one of the two extremes. He can be a productive fantasy quarterback, but that top five finisher that he was the first three or four weeks of the season might not be who he is right now yet. I I think he'll be fine. All right. And then the final game of the weekend, uh, Cardinals 30. 30- Dallas 10 it really wasn't even that close the Cardinals were up at one point in this game 28 to 3 uh is Kyler Murray still a top five quarterback no you can't throw nine passes and call yourself a top five quarterback um yeah he had a really good game because he was running the ball effectively but you got to have more passes and more accuracy than he exhibited he's not top five maybe top 10 yes but not top five if he runs this much, he might be able to get into the top five conversation. I'm going to go with the Bills over the Chiefs. Not a bad call. All right. So let's move over to my yay-nay list to close out the week. We'll give you the ten names if you want more of my reasoning behind all of that. Again, you can find it in the show notes. I will link the article here from my uh, personal blog. Uh, I put this up every Thursday. It's been up for a couple of days now. But uh, number ten on the nay list, I have Tom Brady. Uh, He's currently projected for 25.6 points. I think he drastically underperforms that. Number nine, I have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I might have had to fix this article if uh, he uh, was not cleared from his uh, potential COVID um, scare. 
he went home ill on Thursday. He's now been cleared to play in tomorrow's game, so it looks like he's going to go. But against Joe Hayden and the Steelers' defense, where you have questions with uh, Jarvis Landry's availability, and I still think one of the best front sevens in football in, in Pittsburgh, uh, I expect him to underperform. Joe Mixon at 15.9 against the Colts' defense, I expect him to underperform that. Tara McLaurin uh, going against James Bradbury, who really shut down Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, uh, and others this year so far. Um, I don't expect him to hit his average. George Kittle, uh, given that he's one of the um, primary targets for uh, this team and the fact that um, the Dolphins pretty much uh, gave a um, blueprint on how to stop him, I don't expect him to hit his 12.7 projection. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 14.3. The volume just hasn't been there for him so far. Uh, I expect him to underperform his 14.3 projection so far. Number four, Matt Ryan, 25 points. Uh, This is a guy, again, who hasn't thrown a touchdown in a long time. I expect him to underperform that even against the Vikings defense. Number three, Miles Sanders, 16.7 points. I'm not sure how he's going to do that against Baltimore. Uh, Number two, David Montgomery, 15.8 points going against Carolina this week. Uh, He just has not... Uh, given me any reason to expect that he's going to hit that um, projection so far. Aaron Jones being my number one on the nay list. It's very simple. He's going against the uh, number one run defense in the NFL for the last two seasons. That's um, given trouble to a lot of different quarterbacks. I just don't expect him to hit the 16.5 mark that he has right now. Um, He's going to have to get a lot of passing game work in order for him to hit that mark. Okay. He's going to split out wide most of the game. You're gonna see you're gonna see Dylan in the backfield more than you're gonna see Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones. That's bold because he has barely been on the field this season. So let's run down the top ten names on the yay list for this particular week. Number ten, I have Justin Jefferson. Again, this I think is a matchup, but also him emerging as a talent. He had a down week last week. I expect a big bounce back from his um, 10-point projection. Number nine, I have Damian Harris. I know a lot of people are down on him um, going against the Broncos this week, but Cam is back. I think that opens up a few more lanes in the running game. I think he gets heavy workload um, with uh, uh, Sony Michelle being out this week, and I think the Patriots in a run uh, very much over the Denver Broncos. Number eight, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick at 23.1. He's playing the Jets. Enough said. Uh, number seven, Cooper Cup, 12.7 points uh, is his current projection. I expect him to outperform that as the Niners focus in on Robert Woods and some of the outside receivers. I expect him to have a good game. Number six, I have Jared Goff at 19.1. I think this is too low against a San Francisco defense that got lit up last week. Uh, it's just a matter of he's way under projected for where he should be. Number five, Stephon Diggs. Uh, Buffalo 14.9 points. I agree that Buffalo is likely to score quite a bit of points against the Chiefs, given what was put up by the Raiders last week. I think he outperforms that in a high target game for him. Number four, I have Ryan Tannehill, 20.8 points. He's playing Houston. Um, I know I said earlier that he wasn't going to have a, a necessarily great week due to game script, but you like the matchup and he could get a lot of very easy uh, touchdown scores, maybe a big player too in the pa- uh, play action game. Um, he could outscore his uh, projection as my number four on the list. Number three was one of my studs of the week, Jonu Smith. I already mentioned that one. He's currently projected for 9.2 points. I think he's uh, outperformed that for most of the season. I expect him to do so again this week. Number two, Devontae Parker, currently projected for 11 points. I gave my reasoning why he's going to outperform that. And my number one 